So, yeah, so I guess we'll just get going and I will pretend that I haven't had a headache all day. It will be fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know how that is. Everybody, welcome to Belgariad and Beyond, the show where we talk about magic of the Belgariad books and lots of stuff beyond that. I'm Sandra Turnbull, and with me is Alicia. I'm here with you guys as well. It's good to be back for another episode. We again had a little bit of a break in between, so it's good to connect again and ready to get into chapter nine. Yep, so chapter nine bring it on and um what was in your cup this week my darling so i okay i put a uh, bitter and sweet warm chocolate because you know the dark <laughs> chocolate that has more bitterness than sweetness but it's, it's still good mm-hmm. um but it's still that initial sip is kind of like mm, i don't know if i like it <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I've, I've been enjoying a lot of my own writing, my personal writing for my books. Um, I've been connecting with people in my new Facebook group. So that's been kind of fun. And um, what's been really fun, though, is in like my personal life with my kids, because um, I'd always heard about Elf on the Shelf. I never knew what it really was or the purpose of it, like why people had them until finally my older daughter, the eight-year-old, she's just started talking about everybody has an elf on the shelf and they say that he just appeared in your house one day. How do we get him to appear? And so, Oh my God, she's totally like into it. Oh, she's still at that age where she's, yeah. Oh, keep going. Yeah. And so like, of course, as soon as I hear her saying this, I'm like, all right, I have to figure out how to get one of these because I want her to be part of the magic that her friends are experiencing, you know? So the next day I went to the store and they had just one in there. So I got it, brought it home. And then I was reading the book about him. And I guess the whole purpose is he's supposed to show up in the North Pole. And every night he flies back to the North Pole and tells Santa if you were good or bad that day. <laughs> our higher day was. <laughs> I am. I am not above bribery and corruption when it comes right. to children. <laughs> right. And so he's supposed to be like sitting there monitoring them all day, right, of what they're doing and reporting back to Santa. Mm-hmm. Then the thing is now every morning because he's left, when he comes back, he's supposed to find a new spot in the house. So oh, now, I didn't realize how it was, how it was supposed to work. This is cool. Yeah. And he's supposed to like get up to mischief in the house so you got to come up with creative ways to where to put them and what is he going to get into so then when they wake up now it's every morning especially my oldest she's like hey she'll come to me because I'm always the first one awake she says have you found the elf on the shelf yet and I'm like (laughs) yeah I saw him like go look for him so she'll go and then she always reports back to me like oh my gosh he's so funny did you see what he's doing like this morning (laughs) I stuck him in the clothes hamper and wrapped uh, one of the girl's scarves around his neck which is way too big for him 
So they were just cracking up about that. Like, why did you put on our scarf? And that's just that's fun for you. That is medicine for you, babe. So that's that's mm-hmm. total hot chocolate for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's been so much fun to do that. Like it, it one extra thing in the morning to just make it a good start to the day, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's really been what's kind of been the focus for me is really getting ready for Christmas with the girls. And I always just now it's always just about them and giving them the best experience they can yeah. have yeah. for Christmas. So yeah. it's been yeah, a lot of fun. I get that. That's cool. Okay, well, uh, my cup this week has been a big-ass bucket of juice. It's been sweet, raw, and very thick with bits in it. And that is a perfect description of my week. (laughs) (laughs) Does anything to do with the nausea, does it? (laughs) Yeah, it might have something to do with nausea. Freaking nausea. So, yes, dealing with my physical body, darlings, and trying to listen to all of the messages it's giving me. And so I'm I'm starting to include more juices in my um, day. So trying to give my body the fuel it needs and the stuff it needs to be the best that it can be. Yeah. So I've been making a lot of smoothies. And so, like, for example, this morning, my smoothie had uh, a cucumber and bana- a little bit of banana and pineapple and pi- like a heap of citrus, pineapple and grapefruit and lemon and orange. All the wisdom. Well, actually, I made it without the banana to start with. And then I tasted it. And then I put <laughs> the banana in and whizzed it up again because, you know. Mm. Banana <laughs> always makes it better. Yeah. Yes, so a little bit too tangy for me, a little bit too tangy, so a bit of banana and yeah, so that's what I've been doing and they're really, actually, I've discovered how to make soft serve chocolate ice cream in my, so that's like my desserts now have turned into um, banana smoothies, chocolate banana smoothies. So here is the secret recipe, my darlings, frozen banana, some frozen pineapple, a tablespoon, <clears throat> a tablespoon of cacao powder, raw cacao, a tablespoon of sesame seeds. And I've discovered that my favorite plant-based milk is rice milk. I like it a lot. It tastes good. So I put all of that in the whizzer and whiz it up and I swear it tastes like the best chocolate ice cream that I've ever tasted and I'm not a chocolate ice cream fan it's delicious so win win out of nausea so that's why my my week's not been entirely crap because I discovered the formula for chocolate soft serve ice cream (laughs) yeah that sounds really good I'm going to the store after this so I might have to (laughs) pick up the rest of the ingredients that I don't have. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. Yep. Sounds good. Yeah, it's important to, uh, you know, fuel your body with the stuff you need. And, and I'm guilty of that too. And I'm, because I, I like to snack on stuff like, you know, chips or crackers that have no stuff good yep. for your body. And, and it's, yeah, those smoothies can make all the difference. Well, I tell you what, if I have a smoothie mid-afternoon, 
like a, like a green smoothie and maybe chuck some kale into it and make it like a nice big veggie, like a t- something mm-hmm. tasty. Or I make a fruit smoothie and just bung a spoonful of chia seeds in or something. That keeps me going like for hours. I'm seriously not hungry. Don't feel like snacking for hours. Yeah. So yeah. give it a go. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would be the kind of person to say, hey, have a green smoothie, but it appears that I am. <laughs> yeah, I do a green smoothie pretty much every morning. Do you really? Yeah, I do. Oh. That's how I start. The first thing I put in my body is first a glass of room temperature water, then hot water with lemon. Uh-huh. And then as soon as I start to feel hungry, I'll blend up the green smoothie. What do you put in your green smoothie? I do a big handful of spinach, a whole frozen banana, um, like two stalks of nuts, but two pieces of celery. Like um, two ribs, like two full. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like not the whole bunch no, of celery, no, but break off two. Just a rib. Yeah. yeah. And then a whole lemon. Just a whole bunch of celery. You'd be I know it's too much and it would be way too strong Mm. but then it's a whole lemon just with the peeling off uh, a whole apple hang on a whole lemon did you say a whole lemon Mm -hmm. oh yeah okay so you're talking you're talking about a juicer so you run it through that thing that spits out the pulp and juices it no no you whiz it all up yeah, and it comes out. I have, well, I have a Vitamix. You have to have a really good blender to get it completely smooth. Well, I've got a Nutribullet. I've used a Nutribullet before, and I, it worked good for my green smoothies. So you could try it in there. Um, wow, you have and you literally it. just throw all of it in solid. Yeah, all of yeah. It, even the yeah. seeds and the lemon. Don't you don't need to de-seed the lemon or anything. No way. Just blend until it's all smooth. <gasps> hey, here you go. And romaine oh, lettuce. You know what I... F- oh, wow. Yep. You... Wow. Okay. I aspire to Alicia's green smoothie. <laughs> I'm nowhere near that yet. Um, it's really good. Holy shit. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit taken aback. Uh, uh, okay. I totally forgot what I was going to say. I'm just, <laughs> like overwhelmed. Yeah, by I, I've been doing this for a few years now and there are some mornings I skip or maybe I'll fall out of it for a few days or a week but I usually am pretty on it because that's how I get my iron my iron and my mornings when you just want pancakes I I mean I don't eat pancakes anymore but I have a really good recipe it's vegan it could be okay yeah, yeah, that's why I stayed away from them because I haven't found a good vegan recipe. They always ask for eggs, and, and I mean, I've done it with almond milk, and then I use the eggs for my uh, girls. But it has eggs in it. Yeah, but you could it's use your pre- seeds soaked in water or apple juice mm-hmm. or apple sauce sometimes. Anyway, anyway, yeah. this yeah. is not the cooking and juicing show, guys. Gary <laughs> and beyond, and oh, that's yeah. our potions done for the day. I will just say, however. Apple seeds, apparently, if you whiz them up, they can release a cyanide-like thing. Hmm. Huh. Something like that. Don't quote me. Definitely don't quote me. But I thought that was pretty interesting. So I've been taking all the yeah. things out of my apples. 
Yeah, don't eat apple seeds, huh? <laughs> so anyway, no, it's whole is fun. It's when they're cracked up. So when they go mm-hmm. through the wizard, apparently when they're all cracked up, that's the thing that like releases this, whatever it is. Wow. Yes, something that's strange. to consider. So, oh. Alicia, tell us about our chapter today, please. Okay, so chapter nine. Let's yes. see, they, they finally arrive in Muros, which we've been hearing about for a while now. Like, this is where they want to go. This is where Murgos are from. And no, but go on. Okay, okay. Um, all right, so they find a place to stay here. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, they're having some conversations and stuff. But then Dernick sees Brill. And they all kind of react, and Mr. Wolf decides they need to leave right away. Forget the wagons, we just need to go. Um, then on their way out, they're attacked on the streets, and Garion is, you know, trying to hold his own with this in, in the fight. It's kind of funny to see. But Silk, you know, gets in before he can really do much of anything. And then um, Garion is enlightening his elders in this chapter about what he thinks is really going on, how they're actually being followed. Um, and then at the end, it wraps up with them getting horses from the Algars. Is that how you say? Oh, we'll um, get into that later, but yes. And they're on their way again to the next yeah. stop. Yeah. That is a very concise summary <laughs> of the chapter. Well done. We're getting Thank better you. at this. I had to really go through that chapter to get that summary written out though. Like <laughs> to be okay, I need I need to revisit this. Mm-hmm. So I was literally flipping through page by page and then typing, okay, this was next. Okay, this. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. otherwise I just couldn't remember for the life of me. But well, it's it's interesting. We're sort of it, this is the first chapter where there we're starting to get a bit of action going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, some fighting and the journey is well and truly underway. They're right away from everything that's familiar. Like, well, Gary, and when I say everyone, <laughs> Gary is right away from everything that's familiar. <clears throat> and we can kind of see in Gary's head how he's, he's getting a little bit older. He's getting into that teenage kind of angsty place because when you read the story, it's from his point of view. And so it talks about how it was the, it's the most uncomfortable part of the journey that they've had yet. And he's having to sleep on the ground. It's frozen and it feels like it's seeping into his bones. And, well, you know, I don't know that that's teenage angst or just like, yeah, it's freaking cold and I don't want to be out here anymore. <laughs> but that's what it kind of feels like. Just when put in context with all of the other stuff that he's sort of going through did you like did you sense him sort of pushing against aunt paul a little bit about Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah he definitely was uh i can't remember the exact conversation but um she seems like she's kind of annoyed with him too at the the age he's at or like the stuff he's the way he kind of talks back yeah what's interesting i mean because he asks questions and it's like she's not annoyed, but she's very stern all the time. Mm-hmm. And we know that she loves him because, you know, in the earlier chapters when he was a baby, she was just like 
devoted to caring for him and keeping him safe and she was very affectionate like and that was that was remarked upon in the earlier chapters but now she's kind of in this stern place where it feels like I don't know what does it feel like to you I don't want to interject my thoughts because I know the characters really well but from her like her behavior what is it that you think is motivating that real kind of stand it's almost standoffish Mm -hmm. behavior how do you what do you get from that between her and Garion? I feel like she's like that because she's trying to protect him like she hold withholding a lot of information and I think she's not secretive about that either no and I think that that's just such a weight on her that the sternness kind of just comes with that yeah, that makes sense. So heavy for her to have all this information, not be able to tell him, especially now that he's like poking at her for it, and she's just like, "No, like you don't, yeah. you don't need to know it." And she's just flat out says that, doesn't she? Like, she, he's like, "Well, you're not telling me everything," and she's just flat out like, "No, I'm not telling you everything. You don't need to know it yet." <laughs> yeah. Well, here. Um, Oh, never mind. That's not it. That's okay. But yeah, um, it is. She doesn't care that he knows. Um, she's not telling him stuff. So, and even that in itself is like a. It it feels kind of important that, Garion learns how to, uh, comport himself in the face of, not knowing. Like it's it's like a you don't need to know this yet, but it's important and you'll know when the time is right for you to know. Mm -hmm. Like that, that in itself is like a huge thing to deal with, especially at his age. Like, yeah, you can get, I guess he could get pissed off and like all bent out of shape. And I guess it's only natural that he would, but it feels like a really like big deal that he can just cope with that without losing his shit. <laughs> yeah, and I find I found here what what this whole thing is between him and Aunt Paul because he starts telling her the stuff that, that Silk's been talking to him about. That's so, right. That's right. I love it cuz yeah, he and Silk are starting to kind of become quite close cuz they yeah. travel together all the time. Yeah, cuz he says he tells Aunt Paul he's like Silk says that I'm not a sendar. He says that he doesn't know what I am, but that I'm not a sendar. So she's like, Silk talks too much. (laughs) (laughs) And so he's like, you never tell me anything. And she's like, I tell you everything you need to know. Yeah. And so they kind of have this argument of where he thinks she's just trying to keep him ignorant and treat him as a child. And she's telling him that no, when you need to know, you'll know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so, and she's, she's, it just just seems to be like so, I don't know, I love it that she's so, it's like she's got this understated undercurrent of, of complete amusement going on. Like, and she's sitting inside <laughs> her head, just kind of rolling her eyes with such force that she's almost going to fall off her chair at this, you know, teenage carry-on. Yeah. Anyway. So from that, <laughs> that interaction between them, it moves into... Because Garion leaves the room, and then yeah. uh, Aunt Paul and Mr. Wolf start talking about 
this person or thing they're following, you know, and so they yeah, get into so, that conversation. So, so they've just stopped at the inn and um, Wolf goes out to check things out and comes back really grumpy because it's not there. And he, and he sort of like, well, I didn't expect it to be here, but, you know, don't know why the hell he'd be going to Kamar, which is the next city that they're going to go to, to, to follow this, whatever it is. And it's when they're sitting there in this conversation that Dernick spots Brill. And, mm-hmm. and is it Silk that gets like all pissed off? Like, oh, I should have paid more attention or I've missed, like he gets a bit pissed off with the fact that he... Yeah, um, kind of give give Brill his due, like he's turned up again. So there's obviously something yeah, think, more going on there. I think yeah, he they had that conversation after the the little fight. I think. Oh, is that right? And well, then they sort of decide that they're gonna they're gonna leave straight away. They're gonna get rid of all the wagons. So this is an interesting point actually with the wagons and Dernick. It's very, um, it's very um, telling of his personality and the personality of Sendars in general. Hello, puppy. We <laughs> wanted to chime in. Um, yeah, so what is it with Dernick and the wagons? So he, he's uncomfortable leaving them behind because they are of value. He, he, oh. um, Wolf just says, okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's go. And Dernick is really uncomfortable leaving them behind. And so he um, sells them to the innkeeper and apologises to um, Wolf for, for um, not getting their proper value. He said, says that the innkeeper sensed my haste and bargained meanly, I think is the line. And, um, and Wolf is so, like, just respectful of the fact that this is something that Dernick had to do whilst Silk... Um, kind of chuckles in a in like a loving way in a caring way that you would do with a dear friend and says oh you know Dernick you're the soul of a sender <clears throat> so and this is the way that the author you know builds builds the personalities of the peoples that populate the stories through the personalities of the individual characters you know we've got Dernick who is a sender Silk who is Drasnian um, Barak, who is a Cherik, and um, Wolf and Aunt Paul, who we don't know what they are. <laughs> and Garion is apparently not a sender, but Aunt Paul's not telling him what he is either. So that's kind of, you know. Yeah. So, you know, we're, so we're starting to get this, and the Murgos, you know, on off to the side. But so we're, the, the author's sort of building this, this picture gradually, gradually filling in the colours and, and fleshing out all the forms to teach us about the peoples that populate the story. I think it's done quite well so that by the time you kind of have the full cast going on, it hasn't sort of hit you like a ton, like a, he hasn't sort of dumped it all on you at the start because that's just, I think it's well done. What do you think as the first time reader? I mean, maybe it's because I've read it so many times. I've had the chance to go, you know, how are you doing with it all? It's a little hard for me to keep track of who, what everybody is and stuff. But I think that the three, Dernick, Beric and Silk, because we know who they are, where they come from, they can act kind of as that grounding post for us as we continue through, still confused about the other three. Of yeah. who they are yeah, yeah. and um, the interactions between all six of these characters 
um, creates a good dynamic of those who know exactly who they are and those who are know who they are but they aren't saying and then Gary and who just has no idea of it. <laughs> has no idea. I mean but God isn't that the way we all are when we're that age? We we don't know have we really don't have a clue and when we think we do we really don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so it's it's perfect to have that be um the person we're reading through because even as an adults we go through a lot of those moments of like, oh I, I thought I knew who I was, but I really don't. Let me figure yeah. it out. So true. And so they, um, yeah, they talk about the, the wagons and Dernick and, and all of that um, situation. And then that's when they make their leave to, to get out of there and they're yeah. in the street. Yeah. So they're leading and they their whole, <laughs> oh, and, and the woodpile. So did you want to, do you remember? The woodpile, no. <laughs> okay, so when they're leaving, when they're leaving the inn yard, but they're leading their horses and like mm. um, Gary can smell barracks, the oil on his uh, mail shirt under his, under his chin yeah. and he can hear the clinking. So barracks all armored up and he's got his sword. And as Jernick um, passes the woodpile, he picks up a stout cudgel. I think it's described as like, so he gets a, 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 a branch of a nice big fat branch so that he can whack anyone who bothers them. And um, as, as Garion's going past, he follows Dernick's lead and chooses his own stout oak branch or something. It's, it, he, he, mm-hmm. he gives it a couple of swings, like just to test out the weight and then, <laughs> and then catches up, pull out of the corner of his eye and stops carrying on and just sort of keeps going. But I, I'm, just, <laughs> I, I'm just like in my head, I love the expression on Aunt Paul's face that I create in my head for that moment because you know mm-hmm. yeah I totally missed that, that whole little section but yeah that is really good because so, I, I think I just got excited that there was a fight coming and I just skimmed <laughs> until I got to the fight <laughs> I'm learning more about you this is cool <laughs> yeah I was just I was like oh there's something's gonna happen I, I can't I admit I can be that kind of a reader that yeah. wants to skim until I get to the part I've been waiting for yeah yeah and I need to not, not are you a repeat reader I miss. do you ever like repeat books that you like yeah all the time okay cool I've read the whole Harry Potter series at least three times yeah. I mean that's not a lot considering how some do but same with Game of Thrones and even Twilight uh, yeah, me too. Like in my the in Hunger my, Game. That's, that's my that's my secret little fetish. Every now and then, I'll read the Twilight books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, me too. The movies didn't do don't good. Tell, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. I do it. I'm not going to. I'm just saying I didn't like the movies, but anyhow, no, weird. <laughs> Although, yeah, no. and the actors they chose. I mean, I was like really get easier so, actors <laughs> books is so much better the yeah, only definitely movie, only movies that i will ever say i enjoyed more than the books are the lord of the rings movies yeah i have to agree yeah. just because the books take a very long time to get through very long it's so but, descriptive but i i could never read the books when i was young but after seeing Mine, this was very young, like 15 or 16. I just never could get past the first chapters. It was too much like I wasn't used to reading epic fantasy, I think. But 
Now, as an adult, I went back and read them after I'd seen the movies. And so I knew who the people were. And so I could kind of go, okay, this story isn't exactly the same, but I can kind of understand who the people are and not get confused. So I really enjoyed reading the books after I'd seen the movies. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So, So you're excited about the fight that's coming up. And so they're heading out and all of a sudden they're set upon Mm -hmm. by Brill and some thugs and... Yeah, yeah. Well, I was interested in the part where um, Gary and, um, you know, he's kind of assessing it. He sees the shadowy figures and then he gets like tapped on the shoulder or, I don't know, it says a rap on the shoulder. To me, I picture that as someone tapping him. Yep. And then he whirls around. Well, the thing, about, the thing about this, this Gary and again, do you remember when he had that fight with Rundrig? Mm-hmm. Way back when, the play fight with the sticks and the pot helmets. Yeah. And he had that, the, the, he started saying things. He sort of got taken over and started saying things he didn't understand. And Aunt Paul was only concerned that he might have actually killed his friend and that he was, she wasn't concerned with him at all. Well, the way that it's written in this chapter, it happens again. This boiling, this blood boiling surge comes up through him and he just instinctively whirls around when this person taps him on the shoulder and starts striking at him mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the places where it's going to be most effective. So there's like this instinctive kind of battle, like he's, like he's preloaded with the software required to do the thing and he doesn't know where it comes from yeah yeah and that's what i enjoyed out of that fight and then you know the somebody is obviously in in that group is looking for him they they spot him because they yell out there's the boy okay now that's interesting that's true they're only looking for him mm-hmm. yeah so whatever Barilla is up to now we're wondering is he connected to these people is he like leading them or is he there for a whole other thing? Well, I think he must be leading them because when they run away, he yells at them, cowards, cowards, come back. Mm -hmm. That's true. And so, yeah, the the fight goes on and they, they managed to scare off all of these shadowy figures, right? They win, they win out and um, Silk first wants to make sure Gary, if Garyan's okay. Yep. And then Brill runs away as well. And then they just get on their horses and bugger off. Yeah. Head to, right. head, head to the um, Algar encampment um, where, where Wolf wants to get Algar horses. So the Algar... Well, before all of that, before all of that, though, there's like an important... Oh, I missed... Come on. Yeah, man. with the... With the... Because um, Aunt Paul gets upset at Garion for trying to fight. Um, and so they're kind of standing there in the, in the alley or the street for a little bit talking. And then they see that, that shadow in the window. Oh, yes. Super important. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, was it Silk who throws yes. the knife to like nick yep. his arm? So, and well, we, don't, know, we don't know that it nicked his arm. What we know is that Silk throws a dagger through the window at someone standing behind a curtain and the dagger hits him. And then Garion feels something ping in his arm. Exactly. Like right after. Exactly. At the so same it makes time. Wonder, 
wonder if the, the, the figure in the window is hitting his arm too and Garen's feeling the pain of it or what's going on. And if that's the case, who is the figure in the window? Garen is his older self. Could it? Oh, I've never thought about that. I've always thought maybe it was Asherak. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they have that strange bond. Yeah, that was my first thought, but I was just being Ooh. funny. I, no, I, no, I no. recently watched okay. something. I recently watched or read something about themselves and then the, the older version of themselves, and I can't think of what it is. But anyways, that's why I... I, I've I, never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, so that happens, and Garen doesn't say anything. Yeah. So there's, like, all of the stuff that happens between Garen and Asherak or the shadowy figure that's been there, like, since he was a baby in the corner of his eye, he never talks about it. It's like he can't talk about it. And every time he tries to, like, his tongue freezes up, like there's some sort of spell going on. Yeah. I'm just noticing this. Like, before they even see that shadowy figure is when Garion is actually explaining to Mr. Wolf and Aunt Paul what he, why he thinks they're being followed. He seems and to be he's very too- like switched on about the whole thing. Where it's do you do you feel like it's out of like it doesn't feel like him? No, I don't. I feel like because he's talking about Mingan, who was the guy that Silk made the deal with about the oh, yeah. wagons. He's explaining that Ashrak was in the room when they made the deal, and that's when Silk yeah. is like, "Oh, I should have noticed that." Yeah, and and Garion thinks Ashrak's actually um, a Grolem. Yeah, so he suggests all of that to them, but I yeah. wonder if it if I wonder if he's got this inside knowledge because of this connection that he has with Ashrak, who we know mm-hmm. now is that shadowy figure, but none of the others know that yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's right after that conversation that they see the shadowy figure in the window. Yeah. So this conversation takes place first. And then, so I'm wondering if almost like this conversation doesn't somehow, like this person in the window is overhearing it, or maybe it somehow like summons him to like come to the window. I don't know, but it's kind of like the Harry Voldemort connection where because of his scar. It totally is, isn't it? Harry, yeah, Harry can sometimes glimpse Voldemort's point of view. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and like they couldn't like one of them had to die or the other one you mm-hmm. know they said like one cannot live while the other, while the other survives. survives yeah that sort of thing yeah. so that yeah that feels like and this was written like way before harry potter so this is like right. interesting that it seems to be a common thread in a lot of fantasy stories mm-hmm. this, this connection to with between the hero and the dark figure, like a really intimate yeah. kind of bond. Right. Um, almost like, and for me, it's often like a looking at the, the light and the shadow, which we all have. Mm-hmm. And there's this constant kind of balancing act that we go through, um, learning how to lean into the light and the shadow and appreciate both of them as part of ourselves rather than, you know, always the light because that's not balanced. Yeah. And it seems like there's always a point in these stories that the villain or this dark person that's the enemy becomes almost relatable just for a second. Well, that's so important because the darkness in us, 
you know, until we start to really relate to it and have a compassion for ourselves when we're in those really dark places, you know, that's when we really get to know ourselves and, and, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, can just be with all of the parts of ourselves without trying to reject the bits of ourselves and being harsh and critical all the time. Yeah. So. And I think that's um, just the natural way of, of these writers exploring that too. Absolutely. As so, for readers to be able to go there during the journey. So excellent. This is a very good conversation today. Mm -hmm. So And so now they're going to the Algarve. So what happens is um, this, the Algars are a nomadic people and they they um, raise horses. And so they move where the herds move. And so once a year when it's the season, they bring all their herds to um, these huge stock pens by Muros. And so there's been, it's like this little city by itself sprung up to cater for the Algars when they come in because that's when they do all their purchasing of incidental stuff and sell the horses and do all of their trading. And so their horses are like the bomb. I don't know anything about horses, but they're pretty, pretty good. <laughs> and so Wolf wants to go there to get Algar horses to carry them for the rest of the journey because then he can be sure that um, the horses are excellent and they will, you know, be the best way for them to get where they're going. Yeah. Yeah. So now they're on their way with some good speed, it seems. Yes. And there's an interesting thing before we leave the Alga horse yards, when they get there, mm -hmm. um, the two guards that are guarding the gate, Wolf gets off his horse and goes to them. And when he gets close to them, they do something interesting. Did you pick that up? Okay. I remember it. I remember, but I don't remember what it was. So when he, <laughs> when he gets to them, they sort of recognize, it, it, the comment in the narrative is about his, you know, they notice his snowy beard and his demeanor and they bow really low. Mm. And, and Wolf's like, Oh, we don't have time for that. So obviously <laughs> they recognize him as someone worth bowing to really low. And this they and all of a sudden they turn from, you know, who are you and why should we get our herd master to yes, uh, ancient one, they call him ancient one. And you go, yes, 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 of course. And off they go. They take him straight in. Right. Yeah, he's someone of importance for sure. So, so Ancient One, that's a very um, intriguing title, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I do. What do you it reminds think me, like? well, it reminds me of the never-ending story. The Ancient One was that big tortoise, turtle. Did you ever watch that movie? Oh, I love never-ending story. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was called Anci the Ancient One or something. Maybe I'm making it up. But anyways, that, that big old, that big turtle tortoise yeah. thing. Anyways, Ancient One, I don't know. It's just, he's obviously been around longer than most people. That's how I interpret it. <laughs> so, yep, so they get their horses and off they go. And that's uh, the end of the chapter, I think. Mm -hmm, it is. So I think, we, on their I, think we got every, I think we got all the bits that we needed to talk yeah. about. Was there anything oh, yeah. you wanted to talk about or go over no. again, poke into or questions, clarifications? Mm -hmm. No, I think I'm good now. Now that I heard you explain it from your perspective, mm -hmm. makes a lot more sense. 
Great. Is that helpful or do you feel like I'm kind of... No. Okay. It, oh, I'm saying no to what you were about to say. <laughs> oh, I, 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 yeah. assumed, I assumed that you were agreeing with me and thinking it was wonderful. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I'm clarifying for the listeners too, not saying that no, it wasn't helpful. No, it is helpful. <laughs> good, good, good. good. And I, well, because I'm trying not to give you too much, just like I try to only talk to the end of the chapter and like I'm in, in, inside my head trying to go, okay, what do we know? What do we not know yet? What can I talk about? What can I explain, you know, a bit more fully? So right. hopefully I'm doing yeah. a good job of carrying everyone along with enough context that, you know, it's enjoyable. Yeah, I think so. Because for the first time reader like me, it is confusing. So just like kind of Lord, Lord of the Rings, it's confusing at times mm-hmm. when you don't know the whole story yet. So yeah. it helps. Okay, cool. Okay, so now we're going into the magic. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, the magic. No, you've written something right. down. Yeah, um, I was just reading ahead to the next one, but for the magic. So when Silk, this is, yeah, when he gets the shadowy figure, oh, he yeah, goes. Oh, talked about that. Yeah, and then Garyon feels that pain in his shoulder or his yeah. arm, his left yeah. arm. Yeah. So it's some type of connection between him and that shadow figure. Well, I read that. I, I saw that you'd put that in our notes as your magic thing. And I'm like, damn, that was mine. So then <laughs> I had to think of another one. And I actually, <laughs> it's a bit of a jokey one because that really was the big magic, I think, of the chapter, that, the, that shadow yeah. figure in the window. Um, but when um, Garion's asking Armpole the questions and she's saying, well, I'll tell you when it's time for you to know, and he gets all miffed and she's like, well, if you're feeling so manly, why don't you go and get some firewood? <laughs> and and um, he's like, you're treating me like a child. And she's like, well, if you're feeling so manly, go get some firewood. And he stomps towards the door and she's like... Um, mending one of his tunics and she doesn't even look up well in my head she doesn't even look up and she says and Garion and he's like what don't even think about slamming the door and so I just think that's a lovely little bit of premonition a little bit of mum premonition going on there Mm -hmm. so it's like all of this mums are totally magic we know what's going on all the time you cannot Mm -hmm. get past it we know all the sounds (laughs) and what they mean and we know all the when there's no sounds, we know what that means too. So I just, yeah. that was my little bit of magic. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I like that one. So yeah, now going on to uh, real life relating personal insight. Um, for me, I really enjoyed the part where, where Gary Ann is kind of schooling the elders on what, <laughs> how he's interpreting. And it almost seems like Mr. Wolf is, he wants to hear what Garion has to say and whether that's because he doesn't know what Garion knows or whether it's because he wants to see if Garion's really figured this out already. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but um, Garion's explaining to them the whole thing with Mingan and the exchange between him and Silk and how Ashrak was actually there and the reasons he thinks they're actually, why they're being followed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the one that I think might be clued in is Mr. Wolf, but I feel like all the others, this was news to them. Yep. Uh, 
like, oh, we had no idea. Like, how do you understand all of this? And so for me, I just remember feeling um, like wiser than my years sometimes as a child, whether I actually voiced it or not, I don't remember. But I remember kind of overhearing adult conversations and just in my mind thinking of like, how can they not see beyond this? Like that's clearly this and not what they're talking about. But that's so Um, interesting and so beautiful because you, when you're that age, you don't have all of the complications that adults build into their stuff. You can just see the mm -hmm. pure kind of line of causation or, you know, right. You don't, because you have overcomplicated it. You're in that lovely beginner mind. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now I see it in my children. Sometimes they'll do it to me, and they'll just spit something <laughs> out at me. It throws me back, and I'm like, "Wow, God, damn it, you're right." You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so good. But, yeah, yeah, that's mine. And uh, mine, mine was well. I go back again to I think it's my. It has to be my favorite scene in this chapter with Gary and an art pole and by the fire and her mending the tunic and him throwing all the questions and her just going, well, you don't need to know yet. And, and that frustration that he, that he feels then of, of feeling like he's being treated unfairly and being kept shut out of something that's important. I just remember that feeling that and not always in a good way, like I was bullied a lot at school and so I was always kept shut out of I felt like I didn't I didn't ever know what was going on with the well hardly anybody because I spent a lot of time alone (laughs) that feeling of it was a frustration when it happened with with my parents but it was a different kind of like a like a I'm, and I'm still still trying to work out exactly what that feeling was because I'm dealing with it in a couple of other places in my life at the moment, that feeling of being kept out, not mm-hmm. included. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, so that's sort of relevant to me at the moment. Yeah, it makes sense. It doesn't feel good to be, you know, told you don't need to know. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and like to be just... And, but, that, that, bald faced yeah i know you don't know and i'm not telling you right yeah so that was that's something that i'm sort of processing uh so oh time for our favorite segment delicia it is I guess I'll go first. I'm using the book today, Claim Your Power by Mastin Kip. This is a book I, it's kind of like a workbook, also a read-through book um, to help you really get in touch with your purpose. And recently I actually had an interaction with Mastin um, on one of his webinars. It was pretty cool. Like he picked me out of everybody on there. So I got a free one-on-one session with him that I'm so excited for. Oh, have you had it yet? No, I haven't. But he's all about building the heart-centered business, like building it from the heart and inside out. And so I'm looking forward to that. 
So I thought I'd pull out this book because he was fresh in my head. But the, what I'm really working through right now, seems like I've been working on this and it's still a challenge for me, is um, really letting go of a really unhealthy relationship with money. And I want to really finally let it go this week because I'm so fucking tired of it. <laughs> so I thought his book would be a good one for that. All right, let's see what we got. Um, what if the world rejects you? What if people don't like the real you? The fear that this, uh, what does SP stand for? I forget. The fear that this addresses is the fear that you will be abandoned and that the abandonment, you will die. Because, oh, I wish I could remember what SP means. That's okay. Just look it up and I'll edit it out. Okay. Because the SP thinks that if the world rejects who you really are, you are psychologically dead. So you don't risk it. You stay dead inside your shell, not, no, not showing your real self to the world. Then you wonder why no one seems to see you or why you feel so stuck. This is the reality you've created for yourself. But even still, you're you felt the calling of your soul to do more, to be more, to live more, to share more, to serve more, to receive more. Soul purpose. Do you dare? Yeah. Do you dare? Soul purpose, SP. It could be soul purpose. So what does that mean for you, babe? That's pretty full um, on. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's just, again, about like... Obviously, money was not anything within this. And what the problem is for me is I always put too much focus on money. Yep. Instead of putting focus on what actually matters when you're trying to live your purpose, which is making a difference mm -hmm. and um, trusting that the money is going to come because you're on purpose. <laughs> so and that's what I'm interpreting from this is you know, you got to take risks. You got to, you know, do you dare? Like you have to say, yes, I do. <laughs> um, and stop hiding. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I think for me, that means to speaking my truth, whether people like it or not. And that the ones who do like it are going to be the ones who come into my circle and be, you know, that's where um, the money is going to show up. But the people who say, yes, I want what you have. <laughs> and so. and uh, can I just say it's never about the money money stuff is never about the money mm -hmm. never I know I know <laughs> so I'm really trying to just sort it out for myself okay. well that's very it seems like um, exactly what you were asking about <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> okay all right, so I am asking this week about my physical being, how I can best support my physical being and what the hell is going on with this freaking nausea. Mm. Yeah. So very earthy questions this week. Okay. Okay. The process is similar in the fairy tale. There is no greater blessing a mother can give her daughter than a reliable sense of the veracity of her own intuition. 
Intuition is handed from parent to child in the simplest ways. You have good judgment. What do you think lies hidden beyond, behind all this? Rather than defining intuition as some unre unreasoned faulty quirk, it is defined as truly the soul voice speaking. Intuition senses the directions to go in for most benefit. It is self-preserving, has a grasp of underlying motive and intention, and it chooses what will cause the least amount of fragmenting in the psyche. Well, dang it, I'm already following my intuition. You just tell me that I'm doing the right thing, great. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that came from Women Who Run With The Wolves by Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who I love. I love this book. Love it, love it, love it. Well, that well, was fairly straight friggin' forward. Long times it is, right? You just need it reinforced. Yeah, but I don't want to do it by myself. I want someone else to fix me. <laughs> I, know. I know, but nobody else can but you. I know. I know. Okay. And you're on the right track. It appears so. <laughs> well, Dang it. figure it out. What SP stands for in his terms is survival patterns. Wow, he's like really, wow, okay, so fun. Survival patterns, so that okay. makes even more sense, of course. Okay, cool. And totally, that totally makes sense. <laughs> Money has been my survival pattern, I think, my whole life. Yeah. So I yeah, could yeah. earn my own. Yeah, 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 I get that. I hear that. It's a hard one to break, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah, I'm preaching to the choir, sister. <laughs> three years in the working and it's still here you'll get it It'll, yeah everything slots into place in like perfect timing there's no there's never anything less than perfect timing yep i know i just get impatient sometimes it's okay we all do that <laughs> we all want people okay let me get impatient and all that sort of stuff i know hashtag green juice yeah green juice that's it and then for the um prediction for next week oh, hang on before we do the prediction for next week what was last week let's, oh let's check <clears throat> last week uh they'll arrive at muros and gary will meet anger will meet asherak face to face again not not exactly correct, but but yeah, but shadowy figure in the window. Right. It could have been Ashrak. It could it have most been. likely was. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was pretty close. Yeah. Um, let's see, I wrote for next week. I mean the next chapter, they're gonna finally catch up to who either who or what they're following. Mm-hmm. And Garyan's going to have more understanding of like who or what that is and why they're on this journey. Cool. 
So um, that sounds vague, but no, no, <laughs> no, my no, best no. Shot. That's, that's okay. That's okay. So people, darling listeners, tune in next week to find out if Alicia was right. And send your messages to Bulgarian and Beyond at Gmail. Um, or we have a website. You can contact us through our website, bulgarianandbeyond.goddesskindle.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and I'll put all the links in the show notes. And you can find everything about us and the show and the other places that we hang out on the website as well. There's all clickable things and you can find out all about everything in that one place. So thanks for being with us. Thanks, Alicia. I love you. Thank you, Sandra. It's been a good one. We'll see you guys. <laughs> she's, I just have to say she's sitting here with her head in her hands, rubbing her forehead like, oh, shit. Now I I'm just have work on stuff. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm getting a headache again myself. So oh, like, honey. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it there. Okay. We'll see you guys next week. Mwah. <laughs>